Coming Up is a podcast brought to you by the dedicated and diverse volunteers at 3CR. Just a quick message before you get there. For the month of June, we're asking listeners to donate to the station to help us keep going. In 2023, we're asking our community to stay tuned, stay radical. We rely on the generous donations of community to survive. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate and show your support for community-owned and community-run media. Thanks for your support and happy listening. Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon. Stay tuned, stay radical. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2023. To donate, call the station 03 9419 8377 or donate online, 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2023. Stay tuned, stay radical. Blood destruction, sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning, as the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind, poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Satellite to over 15 to 20 community radio stations and also 4 Z in Melbourne. My name is Joseph Tos... Brisbane! God, it's, I've lost it. I'm, I'm walking out. That's it. I've had enough. 4 Z. Lucky the world's greatest producer, Kelly Whitworth, highlighted my shortcomings. That's her role. She's not the court jester. She's there to tell me you're only human... Joe. So, my name is Joseph Scum, hosting today's program. Tell me what anarchy is all about? No, it's not what's happening in the world today. Anarchos without rulers. The anarchist, a mission, you like that? Is to create a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Inequalities in power and wealth. So, the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share power possibly direct democratic means, and the struggle to hold wealth in common. And guess what? Use it for the common good. Exceptionally conservative concepts. If people tell you anarchism is a radical philosopher, it is not radical. It's conservative. What's radical is allowing a hereditary ruler, a self-appointed ruler, or an elected ruler, the ability to determine the lives of billions of people. That's radical shit, I tell you. So that's why we find ourselves in the situation we find ourselves today. All right. You know, I've got some good advice for you. It's the type of advice that the Gunner tribe and somebody should do something about that tribe, the two biggest tribes in, a, in Australia are very good at. Interest rates go up. Shrug your shoulders and work harder, boys and girls. 
shrug your shoulders and work harder. And if you're not a, a wage slave or a small business owner, keep shrugging your shoulder and eat less. That's what it's about. Interesting, isn't it? We have a crisis in the economy, okay? They created the crisis. The private investment for private profit mob created the crisis because of the shortcomings of the system. It happens all the time. Every 20 to 30 years, same shit. And we continue to, you know, bow to mammon, saying, oh, whoa, shrug your shoulders, work harder. Let's shrug our shoulders. Let's see if we can weather the storm. And guess what? While you're shrugging your shoulders and working harder, the man makes a bigger buck. The classical example was Westpac Bank, one of our four major financial institutions who raised their interest rates within about 30 seconds, or I should say 30 minutes, of the Reserve Bank raising their raising interest rates. The fact is, this is an issue that goes to the very heart of the type of system we have in the world. Not just this country, in the world. And the fact that we've gone through a deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, tsunami, earthquake, revolution over the last 40 years highlights how ludicrous it is to have an economic system that dominates every aspect of our existence, you know, based on a private investment for private profit motive, where the government of the day hangs back and says, oh, we can't get in the way of the corporate sector. Now, I know you're suffering, and so am I, okay? So what are we suffering for? What are we suffering for? What are we tightening our belt for? To ensure that corporate profitability continues to increase. The beauty about a recession the beauty about increasing interest rate is it never touches the people who are responsible for that situation. 12 interest rate rises. Have any of the financial institutions foregone one of those rises? No. Not one. That's their hymn book. The Reserve Bank lifts interest rates, we'll lift interest rates will increase charges. And if you're a day late, we will apply penalties. And if you can't pay, you're going to have to sell that mortgage home. And if you can't pay, you're going to have to close down that small business you've been struggling with for the last few years. Because we are not going to take a cut in our profits. No way. Because the gun is loaded in our favour. There are six bullets in that gun and every one is aimed at you to ensure you continue to shrug your shoulders and work harder to pay the man. And this happens with monotonous regularity. Monotonous regularity because of the inherent flaws in the system. For example, we're told that competition in a capitalist society decreases prices. 
What a lot of crap. Competition in a capitalist society dominated by corporations actually increases prices because there is no real competition. The situation has got so ridiculous. There's a government authority, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, which was established, which is grossly underfunded and under-resourced, to ensure that competition occurs in the marketplace. If capitalism equals competition, why would you need an Australian Competition and Consumer Commission to ensure the private sector continues to compete? Ridiculous. Then we're told of the trickle-down effect. The more profits we make, the better we'll all be. Now, let's look at the last 40 years. Let's look at the last 40 years. Now, housing prices have increased between 30 and 40 times. 3,000 to 4,000%. They'd be lucky if wages have increased by 500%. Lucky. So where has all this deregulation shit got us? What's happened is that all those rules that were put in place because of the struggle of our parents and grandparents to ensure we could actually tame the capitalist beast have been ripped aside under the mantra, keep the government away from the corporate sector. And I'm talking about small business, and most small business are stupid enough to think, and I'm a small business person, stupid enough to think that somehow you can compete with the corporate sector. Obviously you can't compete with a corporate sector which has got the best accountants and lawyers that money can buy. So we've got the deregulation. Take away the regulation which protects people. Take away the regulation which protects people in the workplace. Take away the regulation which protects small business. You know, in some European countries, you can't set up a supermarket within so many kilometres you know, of a small business hub. But in this country, it's free for all. Three for all. No wonder 90% of small businesses close their doors within five years. How many shattered dreams are there of people who felt, I don't want to be a wage slave, I'm going to run my own business and then find that uh, they're competing against a corporate sector which basically can do what it likes whenever it likes. So if you think that this system somehow is going to help you and increasing profitability is going to flow down to you. Think again. What's happened during the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution? The gap between rich and poor has increased. The amount of time you've got to work to actually keep a roof over your head has increased. We're now finding people are spending 30, 40, 50% of their income to put a roof over their heads. And at the same time, we've seen the financial sector lend money. We buy money. It's not lend. We buy money off them. Extraordinary. And we continue to shrug our shoulders and work harder. Continuing to elect governments into power that have no intention of challenging that underlying philosophy that what you give to Caesar is Caesar's. That underlying philosophy. It's as if corporations, corporations, 
somehow are beyond the law. They remind me of the good old days, you know, when you had a hereditary monarch with some real power who was beyond the law, too big to fail, rip people off, maximise profits, rip off your staff, rip off your customers, help your major shareholders. And we continue to genuflex, continue to beg and beseech for the crumbs that are swept off the corporate table in our direction. And when things get harder, we continue to shrug your shoulders and work harder. What type of people have we become? Now, I know this sounds a bit harsh, but what type of people allow their future and their children's future and their grandchildren's future to be destroyed by an economic system that not only is destroying the planet and our ability to survive in the long run as a species, but on a day-to-day level is making life harder for us. And if you think it can't get any harder, think again. Look at the historical record. Look at the historical record. Look at the past and think about how we got to this stage. And if it wasn't for the direct action taken by our forebearers that most of the things we take for granted for da- today would haven't been there. They haven't come there because some government has said, there you are. There's a universal health care system. There you are. There's a pharmaceutical benefits system. There you are. There's a social security system. Every one of those reforms have come through struggle. And what we forget is that you can click as many buttons you like in the virtual world. You can go to as many YouTube channels as you like. You can see as much pornography as you like in the virtual world. You can cry, you know, on your tablet. But the fact is, what changes things has not changed. And what changes things is feet on the ground. People refusing to shrug their shoulders, refusing to work harder and demanding the same rights as those who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And if you're interested in these type of concepts, I encourage you to join public interest before corporatists. Go to pibci.net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can join online. That's how simple it is. Join public interest before corporate interest. And if you don't want to join public interest before corporate interest, I encourage you to get active in some other type of activity. For example, public housing, everybody's business. Struggle is gaining momentum. We have rallies on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House every Thursday at midday, which you're welcome to. Currently, we're involved in the dispute regarding Margaret Kelly. It's one of the few remaining tenants in the Barrack Beacon Estate, a public housing estate in Port Melbourne, which has been privatised by the Andrews-led Labor government, you know, L-A-B-O-R, the, the crew that's taken the U out of Labor, the ALP, the Alternative Liberal Party, and uh, the fact that she'll be evicted in the next few weeks so they can put up a private housing 
unbelievable. It's happening around the world. And you, as I said, you can stamp your feet, you can cry on your tablet and destroy it, you can click till the cows come home, you can watch as many YouTubes as you like, you can go to as many web channels as you like, you can watch as much pornography as you like, you can play as many games as you like, but ultimately, they don't care. What they care about is feet on the ground. You're unhappy? about the current interest rate rise and the fact that banks pass them on, stand outside your local branch with a sign saying, crooks, crooks, thieves. You won't be there long. They'll call the coppers. They'll ask you to move on. But at least you'll feel better. And that's the key. If everybody did that listening to this program, even once a week for an hour... It would make a difference. Let's move on. Ah, oh, can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I cannot l- re- believe it. The A Channel 9, you know, conglomerate. Student visa loophole. Rort. What a load of bullshit. What a load of crap. The current student visa regulations which were passed through parliaments were designed to do two well they're actually designed to do three things one they were designed to bring put bring in money into a public tertiary sector which had been starved of money by successive federal governments i mean we saw that this was highlighted during the covid19 pandemic when universities weren't allowed to access the largesse which was given to large corporations who made extraordinary profits, 30 to $40 billion during the pandemic, which you and I are now paying for. That's the way it goes. Now, student visa loophole, it's not a loophole. It's a regulation. It's a parliamentary law. And it's very simple. In the 80s and 90s, People were very concerned because a lot of trade unions had their feet on the ground. They were actually taking industrial action before industrial action was outlawed in this country or workplace action was outlawed in this country. Yeah, that's why we're like the Chinese Communist Party in many regards. So here we are. Here we are. Industrial action almost outlawed. People taking... So what do we do? We create a new form of worker, a guest worker, under the proposal that the it's a student visa program. Now, everybody knows the student visa program was set up to bring in temporary workers who are paid sub-award wages to keep a lot of businesses afloat. At the same time, when you have a large number of temporary guest workers who are non-unionised, you cripple the trade union movement in its ability to take action. And for people 20 years after the legislation was passed to raise their hands in horror and say it's a loophole, it is not a loophole. It is a structural issue. It's a structural issue which was in incorporated in parliamentary legislation to ensure that we had a glut 
a glut of temporary workers masquerading as students. They paid their money to the financial institution, tick. They provided cheap, non-unionised labour, tick. They were used to keep a lid on wages, tick. And the list goes on and on. So save me the crocodile tears. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, let's move on. Ben Roberts-Smith. Ben Roberts-Smith. Well, it's been all the gog in the media, hasn't it? War crimes, blah, 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 blah. Now, obviously, old Ben Roberts-Smith, VC, is a grunter. He's a grunter. He's a soldier on the front line doing what they're asked to do by their commanding officers in the government of the day. Let's not forget that. It's all very well, as I've said before in this program, to you know hone in on the grunters, because uh, they're relatively easy to hone in on, and especially years after, when all the political figures who are responsible for the mess, are retired, enjoying their parliamentary superannuation. Some of the best in the world. Well, the best in Australia, at least. Beautiful. No wonder so many of them are retiring before they find themselves in court. But obviously they're indemnified against any action. Because remember, it's the Prime Minister of the day it's the Prime Minister of the day, not Cabinet, not the government of the day, which makes the decision to send this country to war. Whether it was Iraq or Vietnam or Afghanistan, it's the Prime Minister of the day. And there is one man in this country who is lauded as a political luminary a great human being and that's the former Prime Minister Mr John Howard a man who has so much blood on his hands that he makes Ben Roberts Smith look like a total amateur so Ben Roberts Smith's case will go from the civil court eventually to some type of criminal court and it'll just you know go on for the next decade but mr howard a beloved prime minister who was responsible for sending us to war in iraq in the coalition of the willing who was responsible for the continuing presence in afghanistan when people knew what was actually happening in that sphere. Now, this is not something new about atrocities being committed by Australian SAS troops on the front line. And obviously, when you dehumanise people through that type of training, you will get atrocities. That's the cost of war. That's what we see. But it's all very easy to point the finger at the person who does 
pulls the trigger, who does the torture, the grunter. But how many times do we actually pull, point the finger at the people who give the orders, the people whose hands are always clean, their commanding officers laden with metals, the political parties and oppositions which support that intervention in somebody else's country for our own short-term gain. And if you think it's changed, look at the policy that we as a nation continue to support, the policies we continue to support that are making us a military target in this part of the world. It's all very well going after Mr Ben Robert Smith, but why don't we go off after the real war criminals, the John Howards of the world. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. That's right, the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Streaming lies on 3cr.org.au. All right, let's move on. It's one of those days, I'm afraid. One of those days when you really have to shake your head. Don't shrug your shoulders and work harder. Stand up. Stand up. You're not a cringing, complaining, you know, cringing, complaining consumer. We're not cringing, complaining consumers. The government of the day and the corporate sector thinks that's all we're good for. We're citizens and permanent residents with rights and responsibilities. That's what we are. But we've been reduced to becoming cringing, complaining, you know, consumers. I mean, consumers have the right to complain. They don't have any rights to anything else. We're much more than that. Let's move on. Folbig and Chamberlain. Have you noticed how the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC are full of praise, full of praise for the release of Kathleen Folbig? And they were full of praise for the release of Lindy Chamberlain 20 years previously. So what have these cases got in common? Well, they're both women, small children were involved, but the key element to this is the role the media hysteria played in actually moulding the jury's decision. Let's not forget, if you go back 20 years and you look at the headlines in the corporate-owned media and to a lesser degree the you know, the um, government girl at ABC, if you look at the headlines, monster, serial killer. This is before the trial. And those of you old enough to remember the Lindy Chamberlain debacle will remember the media pack, and that's all they are. And my apologies to dingoes. I mean, dingoes have got more respect 
for human beings and the, the, the media, you know, the media, especially the corporate-owned media, the media pack and the way they continue to play this role. And we see it constantly. They never have the balls to actually, oh, the ovaries, I should say, or both, the testicles or the ovaries, you know, to challenge those who exercise power. That's what the Anarchist World this week is about. We challenge those who exercise power. We may be totally, totally, you know, um, get nowhere, but there is that public challenge. But when it comes to the media, individuals especially individuals that find themselves in a difficult situation, are right for a monstering. It's like a pack of sharks that have seen a little bit of blood in the water congregating, or they act like a chook or a, a gaggle of geese, not a gaggle of geese, you know, a group of chooks which see a little bit of intestine poking out of one of their mates and they all rush over and pull out that intestine. Have you ever seen it? It's quite an ex- quite a revolting um, exercise. And that's what they're like. They're like a pack of sharks or a group of chickens pulling out another chicken's intestine. As long as they realise that the person they are about to demonise, dehumanise, monster, is an individual with minimal protections... And we see this constantly every day. Then they're in for the kill. They're in for the kill because they know these people are not in any position to protect themselves. But when it comes to the big players in life, the movers and shakers, the Murdochs of the world, the Packers of the world, the corporate leaders of the world, the Reserve Bank board, you know, Mr. Lowy. Oh, I don't know, Mr. Lowy. I remember last week he was talking about, I'm sorry for diverging here, but I've got that type of brain. He was talking about, you know, that we should uh, take in a border. I wonder how many homeless people he's offered accommodation to. Oh, that's a different story. I'm not going to work on that one because I know how many. Nil. All right. So, Fulbig Chamberlain, victims of media hysteria. Now, obviously, in both cases, juries could have found a different come to a different conclusion. But the fact is, they came to the conclusion that both women were guilty to a significant degree due to media hysteria. Not social media hysteria, but corporate-owned media and government-gelded ABC hysteria. It's a little bit like the war in Ukraine today. You have media hysteria, as if we think that somehow, somehow, that things are different. Now, Mr Stan Grant made one very important statement in the statement he made about why he was going to take some time off from the ABC. He talked about institutional failures. Institutional failures. As an employee, even a contractor of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation... He would have expected that those in authority, members of the board, would have stood up 
and protected him. He had to go to the bloody police station himself in order to lay a complaint about people who are monstering him and his family. He had to go himself. Nobody from the, from the Australian Broadcasting Board or the hierarchy bothered to stand up. And that is the greatest failure we find when individuals come under attack. It is the greatest failure, this institutional failure. And the Australian Broadcasting Corporation is a classical example of institutional failure. It's the same voices peddling the same shit every day, which you and I eventually pay for. Same shit. Not as bad, doesn't smell as much as the corporate shit, corporate media shit. That is really overpowering. But it's the same shit. Institutional failure. The failure of institutions to stand by their employees when they come under attack. I'll give you a boring little example of what happened to me in 1999, which is almost a quarter of a century ago. Who says I don't hold grudges? Well, in 1999, I got a call out of the blue by um, an ABC presenter who, this was during the height of the Howard era and uh, she was doing an overnight program for the Australia obviously which nobody listens to except insomniacs and shift workers and she asked me to come on the program and do a half hour radical wrap up of the uh, the news okay now this presenter had been doing this program for over a decade very respected person you know a little bit of fun we, we spoke about John Howard blood on his hands, you know, the fact that he was core and non-core promise man, uh, the, uh, the shit that was being flung around regarding the culture wars that, uh, you know, the invasion of this country was a, a nice affair and Aboriginal people came out and, you know, shook people's hands. You know, that type of shit that those of you are old enough to remember from a quarter of a century. And this went on for about three months and then obviously somebody must have listened to the program and... Uh, from the top down came the order, you need balance, girl, you need balance. So uh, a National Party Senator, Victoria, who lived actually in the CBD, nice man, Senator Julian McGoran of Poker Machine fame, him and his brother owned more poker, used to own more poker machines than anybody else in Victoria. You know, they could see. So, you know, he used to come around for three months and we'd cross swords and poor old Julian, he was a decent human being, unlike me, I'm a bastard. So he used to usually, in my opinion, used to fail in the arguments, although he did his best. Then guess what? An order came from above. We are not only cancelling the program, but we're going to remove the presenter from air. And fortunately for her, she was one of the last ABC presenters who was actually an employee, not on a short-term contract, which is what they use today in order to keep people under control. And after 10 years of loyal service, the program, her program that she hosted, wiped. She was wiped off the face of the earth. Obviously, I was wiped off the face of the earth and Julian was wiped off the face of the earth. But this is how it works. This is how it works. Nobody, nobody in the ABC said, hang on a minute, what's all this about? No. They're actually responsible for it. And this is what Stan Grant is talking about. He's talking about that the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, their failure to protect 
their people, their failure to stand up is an institutional failure that needs to be addressed. Think about it. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. In a few YouTube channels, josephtoscano.nam, N-A-A-R-M. Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. A few websites, uh, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, anarchistmedia.org, Anarchist Media Institute. A few Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public. Tanaminole Morbohene Commemoration. Public housing, everybody's business, defend and extend public housing. Look, I could lay on another 20 bloody web pages, streaming sites, YouTube channels. The fact is, as I said before, you can watch as much shit as you like, but ultimately it's what you do, feet on the ground, which makes a difference. So if you're listening to this program, think about it. It's feet on the ground. All right, here's a, here's a trick question, and the answer isn't the opiate of the masses, all right? What do the Catholic Church and the AFL have in common? Hmm? What do the Catholic Church and the AFL have in common? Now, good old Marxy would have said they're both sport and religion are the opiate of the masses. Well, no, no, I disagree with that. See, they've got a product, They've got a product which allows them to survive any challenge. Catholic Church, eternal salvation. You do the good things, you read the good book. Oh, no, sorry, Protestants read the good book. Catholics don't. I, as a Catholic, I, when I was a kid, I never read the good book. I left that up to the priests. You know, follow the commandments, go to confession, put some money in the plate. You know, and wear a scapula and you'll go to heaven, okay? So that's a good product. Eternal salvation. I can't think of a better product. You know, that's their product. The AFL, they haven't got eternal salvation, but they've got excitement. Excitement in the life, the dreary life that most people are forced to live, especially during a period where people shrug their shoulders and work harder, you know, to pay their bills, the AFL, a bit of excitement, a bit of emotion, a bit of excitement. Don't even have to pay any money. You can watch it on TV as long as you can tolerate the ads. So both have great products. So it looks like they, and obviously the Catholic Church and the AFL have something else in common. They get lots of money from the government, okay? Lots of money from the taxpayer and they both don't pay taxes. That always helps. You know, not paying taxes and getting money from the government also helps. So let's not forget that, okay? That's what they have. So they can weather any crisis. Catholic Church has weathered the pedophilia crisis in their ranks. Shrug it off. All off a duck's back. Shrug it off. May have harmed the church in the Western region, but the rest of the world, no. It's fine. Keeps chugging along as long as those government grants and all that uh, super highway to the Australian Treasury here in Australia is open for the Catholic Church, their schools, their hospitals, no taxation, the, the so-called 
welfare, in inverted commas, they provide on behalf of the government. AFL, same thing. It doesn't matter how many stories of institutional racism that are raised. How many stories of exploitation of players. Look at the current situation where a large number of players have got permanent brain damage. And instead of the AFL accepting responsibility, paying people out, what do they do? They fight it in the courts, a little bit like the Catholic Church. You know, people make accusations about being sexually abused as children. Let's fight it in the courts. They haven't got enough money to fight back. So the AFL and the Catholic Church have a lot in common. One, they've got great products to sell. Eternal salvation, emotion, you know, you feel alive watching a you know, football game. They get lots of money from the government. They can weather any scandal. Too big to fail. They can weather any scandal. Extraordinary, isn't it? How much in common. And they don't pay taxes. I love it. Let's move on. Economic apartheid. Uh, I wonder if you remember what apartheid was. Well, it was a system where people were divided on the basis of race, unless you were Japanese and then you were an honorary white because they needed your money in South Africa. Now, I mean, there are certain religious brands that actually have institutional inequality incorporated into their religious belief. We see that in the Hindu religion. We've got untouchables and Brahmins and never the... And the thing about being an untouchable, your children will be untouchables, their children will be untouchables, and their children will be untouchables. No wonder many untouchables in the Hindu community have actually uh, become Muslims because obviously in the Muslim religion there's a, a greater emphasis on the equality between human beings. But we have in this country economic apartheid. And it's just, just as significant as a religious belief. You're born into a family that has no disposable income, difficulty keeping a roof over their head, substance abuse problems, mental health issues. The fact is that all the social elevators which were put in place in the 60s and 70s to allow people to actually escape that situation have now been removed. Removed. So your chances of being able to leave that environment are almost nil. Compared to what they were seventy, I mean, what they were fifty, sixty years ago when I was around as a young, you know, student, the social elevator was still there; it was still functioning. Three tertiary education after seventy-two, no hex debt. The fact that you could actually get an education and move on, whether you shrugged your shoulders and worked harder and became an aspirational Australian 
And whether you forgot where you came from is, is a different issue, which I'm happy to discuss. Because most of those people did forget where they come from. They continue to forget where they come from, and that's why we have the situation to a significant degree we have today. But the fact is, there was a way out. But what the deregulation, globalisation, privatisation, corporatisation revolution has done is it has removed all those social elevators. All of them. Gone. Finished. Poof. So we have economic apartheid in this country. And it goes right through old age. You work part-time, you have kids, you have a health crisis and you're out of the paid workforce. What happens? You work in a low-paid job, non-unionised low-paid job. The amount of superannuation that goes into your account is related directly to the amount of your wage. So if you are a CEO and you make $10 million a year, $1 million would go into your super account. If you earn 45000 a year, 4500 will go into your super account. Think about it. So at the age of 65, who are the ones, who are the ones who enjoy the good life? Uh, it's not the people earning 45000 That's what economic apartheid is. That's what it is. That's economic apartheid. Now I'm uh, <coughs> about to, the, as you know, this program's live, so I'm about to do a cough, I think, but uh, maybe I'll put it off by having a drink of water. So as it's live... <coughs> We don't even have a cough button, believe it or not. Now, let's move on. Let move on. I've only got one word to say for the gulf on the planet. Pathetic. And now, irrespective of what you think of Tiger Woods, the fact is the man, right, he gave up. He refused to take up a $700 million contract to play golf for the Saudi Arabian, you know, the liquefiers, as we call them, the House of Saudi, it's not the House, you know, not, not the... Saudis don't run the Arabian Peninsula, but the House of Saudis foray into having their uh, pathetic lifestyle and government rehabilitated in the eyes of the universe, if not the world. So they set up this alternative Gulf Association, which, you know, was hosting events luring players like Mr Smith with hundreds of millions of dollars to hit a ball into a hole, okay? Now, the PGA, which was the Public Golfing Association, I think it's the Public Golfing Association, said, we will stand up to this threat. We will stand up to this threat. And many players, and many players, <coughs> refused to take up lucrative contracts in terms of hundreds of millions of dollars. And I can assure you that if somebody dangled $700 million before me to hit a 
ball into a hole, I'd be very tempted, very, very tempted. And knowing how weak I am, that most likely I would have taken the money and run. But not many members of the PGA who believe that this attack on the golfing community, the, the um, professional golfing community, by people with the moralities and ethics of the Saudis was something they would want have nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. And I could understand that. I can understand that. I can understand Tiger Woods saying, look, I've got my problems. I'm a defective human being. But irrespective of how low I've sunk, I'm not going to take up that $700 million from the House of Saudi, considering their track record. And guess what? The PGA has succumbed. It's turned its back on its players, stabbed them in the back, and joined. That's right, joined the House of Saudi. This is a huge moment as far as... I'm sure most of you don't watch professional golf, but it's a huge moment as far as the professional golf is concerned. The people with the morals and the ethics who refuse to be compromised by accepting hundreds of millions of dollars have now been buried by their own association which has formed this link. I think what the Tiger Woods of the world need to do is they need to form their own association, three. And more importantly, if you are one of these people, and I'm sure there are because obviously there's a lot of advertising revenue and this is what it's about, advertising revenue. If you're one of these people who enjoys golf, plays golf, well and good, watches golf, well, it's time to turn off the idiot box. It's the time to turn off social media because the less money you put into it, the better off you'll all be. And if they've got events in this country, it's time to boycott them because you cannot, you cannot turn your back on those members of your association who've done the right thing and have refused to be compromised by the sackloads of gold which have been, you know, put in there, put before them. Let's move on. Now, we've had an eclectic program, we've looked at a lot of things, but um, there's a problem. No, no, I'm not the problem, you're not the problem, there's a bigger problem. We live in a private investment for private profit world. Now, I broadcast this program in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, and I've been broadcasting the Anarchist World this week in its various guises since 1977. From 1977 to 1989, it was called Encounters with the Third Alternative, because obviously uh, communist ideology was relevant, and the third alternative was anarchism. You had anarchism, capitalism, communism. But once the Berlin Wall came down, the facade regarding, uh, you know, state capitalism, mass greatness, communism, came down, and we changed the name to the Anarchist World this week. Now, I can assure you, as I mentioned with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, that no other radio station on this planet would allow a program like the Anarchist World this week to continue broadcasting for, what is it, 46 years now? 
to continue broadcasting for 46 years? No way. Because we do tend to ruffle feathers. We may not be very effective, but we do tend to rustle feathers. And not only do we rustle feathers, we're always also involved in organising various activities in order to promote the ideas inherent in the concept of living in a society without rulers, a society where you break down hierarchy and uh, use wealth in common. Now, I can assure you nobody else would actually allow this to happen. Uh, it's no way. No way. I'll give you another example. Here's another funny example. You may find this funny. Oh, about eight years ago, I got a call from 3AW here in Melbourne. That's the corporate-owned uh, station. And I uh, went in for a little chat with the head of uh, broadcasting there. He was a bit concerned that the listenership to 3AW was basically old men who were interested in funeral funeral advertisements and hemorrhoid creams. And they wanted to actually uh, extend the uh, demographic. And I was brought in to, for a chat regarding whether I'd be interested in doing you know, a few relief spots to see how it went. I said, yeah, look, I'm happy to do that. And guess what? Two days after the interview, he was fired. That's what I'm saying. So next week, the 14th of June, have our radiophone here at 3CR. I'm trying to raise 15000 to keep 3CR on air for another 12 months. It is a difficult time. It is a very difficult time economically. Hopefully we'll get to the 15000 I keep saying a good bottle of champagne costs 15000 Not that I've had access to a good bottle of champagne now for uh, 71 years. But the fact is, it's a very small amount of money to keep a program like Anarchist World this week on air. I mean, the station is not reliant on government grants. It doesn't take advertising. It doesn't take corporate donations. So basically, it's really up to the listeners to support it. And there are a few things. We're not going to give away anything. We're not that type of program. But the important thing to remember is that if you make a donation to the Anarchist World this week through the Freesia radio font, you get a legal legitimate tax deduction. Now, this is one of those brilliant times that reminds you of that wonderful World War I anti-conscription poster put out by a Mr Barker who spent 12 months in jail because of it said it said something it went something like this newspaper owners clerics capitalists bosses you know bosses you know follow your mar uh, uh, it says workers follow your masters that's it, that's it workers follow your masters capitalists newspaper owners clerics, police, etc. Follow your masters. Stay at home. Don't go into the trenches. The same with 3CR. So next week it will be a special 3CR radio fine. If you want to find out how to donate, go to 3cr.org.au 3cr.org.au There are many ways to donate to the radio fund. As I said, we're trying to raise $15,000. For the listeners around Australia, guess what? I'm going to have to pre-record a program. Because obviously, you have got a community radio station you're welded to. You support that community radio station during their fundraising activities. So uh, we'll have a special program for you. And for the people in Victoria, the people who listen to 3CR directly, we'll have the special 3CR radiophone. So keep that money coming in. And you can ring now 
on 94198377 or 0394198377 and pledge for next week's program of the Anarchist World this week. Listen in to the special Radiophone program next week here on your local community radio station. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Brainwash minds. Oh, larger. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. Fierce, independent community media is vital and we need your support to keep radical voices and issues on the airwaves. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during business hours. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. Did you enjoy listening to that podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are a part of that community. Right now, it's our Radiothon. We need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donations really matter.